We have just had a really wonderful week, and something wonderful is always happening here. We celebrated our very own Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron Friday night, and we held him up to the light and celebrated the many gifts that he has and the brilliance that he truly is. It's my pleasure now to introduce Reverend Patrick to do our opening prayer. Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Well, good morning. And it has been really a wonderful weekend and, and a wonderful morning as well. I want to, uh, I wanted to take a moment before I be- go into the song and, and our prayer that, uh, to, to acknowledge a couple people that really helped make this weekend quite uh, fabulous. And, and many, many hands were involved with this, but I especially want to thank Ron Lajeunesse. Ron's not here right now, but I do want to, I want to bring his vibration into the room because he took the bull by the horn, so to speak and really did a wonderful job of emceeing on Friday evening. So let's give him a hand wherever he is. And also, uh, I have such great deep love and appreciation for Leslie Paul, and I don't, I don't think Leslie's been here this morning either. It's been a very um, um, intense weekend in terms of energy, and so I think Leslie's probably home catching some sleep. She's usually down with the kids at second service. So, but anyway, and also Leslie Paul, if we could acknowledge her. Thank you for, for um, extending that gratitude with me. And I know they get it, even though they're not here with us. Something shifts when we do that. Dr. Holmes used to say, when we state the name of the client, it captures the vibration. And I'm sure that is true. With that said, what I'm going to invite you to do is sing a song with me. Many of you know it. The words will be behind me. And then we'll go in, I will, I will uh, invite you to go into prayer with me. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very I am reminded of the oneness, the beauty of spirit as I gaze upon these beautiful flowers upon our steps today. And the recognition of that life reminds me of the one life and guides me to the awareness and the knowing and the experience that that life, that one life is my life in and through and as every aspect of myself. Each time I choose it, it chooses me in a new way. And so I know that I am guided and loved, resourced, supported, inspired, and made so beautifully mindful of who I am and whose I am. The infinite in expression. So this day is powerful and wonderful because I claim it 
So I place this intention, impress it upon this infinite law that always says yes. I'm grateful. I'm grateful in this moment because everything, every intention I set as I build the clarity, I build the consciousness of the thing and the experience, it is already done in the mind of the one. And in that is the twinkling of the eye where it manifests and takes form in my life and your life. And so I'm grateful for this powerful, amazing, transformative teaching. I'm grateful for our wonderful speaker today who has, he, who, who has blessed our community with his presence, his consciousness, and his love and his care, along with his beautiful partner. So in, the, in blessing that and blessing them and saying, Hallelujah, this day is a day that the Lord hath made, and I rejoice in it. I give thanks. In great gratitude, I release these words. And standing in that vibration of joy with you, together we say, and so it is. I don't know who brought these flowers, but they are beautiful. Does anyone know? Oh, Bruce. Oh, Bruce stole them from the neighbor? Oh, my gosh. Way to go, Bruce. I love Bruce. Oh, that's right. No, we, we have all... He's, if you see the flowers coming to life around here, it's Bruce. And I didn't even realize until you just said that, that that's where they, they came. He does a beautiful job for us. We've had to slow him down this year. He asked me if he could buy 10 more cedars the other day. I said, Bruce, you've already spent all your money. Stop. <laughs> just imagine cedars there. Anyway, uh, a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Wonderful, uh, beautiful. You know, it's so great to have Dr. Deb and Dr. Ken here with us. And, and they remind, uh, for, for, especially for Laura and I, of what a, a wonderful community that uh, we are part of. And, uh, and Friday night was just such a phenomenal experience personally for me. I, I cannot even begin to put words to it. It was, it was such an experience of love and, and appreciation uh, that was just amazing. So uh, uh, this morning we're going to um, invite um, our new, uh, newly elected spiritual leader for the integrated, new integrated uh, Centers for Spiritual Living which is now headquartered in, in Golden, Colorado. And uh, the, he and his partner, his beautiful partner, have been um, the founding ministers and pastors in Kelowna since 1993. Since 1993. And they have a beautiful, wonderful community there that uh, I know a number of you have, have been there and visited and always come back and say what great things. And, and uh, it's true. So I, I would like to invite you to uh, stand upon this continuous wave of love that we've, we've generated this weekend collectively in welcoming to our platform to share his wisdom, his love, his light, and his humor, Reverend Dr. Ken Gordon. Good morning. Friday night was wonderful. It was... Uh, it was really, really great. How many people were there Friday night? Fantastic. It, it was a great show, and I'll tell you, there is nobody that deserves it more than Dr. Pat. So Now we'll just have to wrap our head from reverend into doctor. That's, that's what happens. So anyway, um, happy Father's Day. I'm, and that goes to all of us. I, I know that we all, that, that we teach that we all are a balanced, equal uh, humanity uh, within, that there's both a father and there's a mother, and that uh, each of us share those attributes. Certainly share them more today than we ever did before as far as generationally goes. 
Um, have you noticed that everything in life evolves? Have you noticed that everything changes and, and that there's been an evolution that's taken place over the last, uh, well, I'm 59, so I can speak for 59 years, that there's been this drastic, radical change in what life looks like today? Have you picked up on that? That, that, that what has occurred is that pretty much nothing that was the same back then is the same now. Um, being Father's Day, I know that I have a father who I honor and I love, and I know on the other side that I have children who I honor and I love, and I know that there's a balance there, and it's so obvious to see evolution in action just within that action of fatherhood. Um, my experience was that my father was a, an extremely old-fashioned, traditional-type father. He had rules that he had set up and obligations and responsibilities that he lived from, and he lived from them absolutely tight as a drum. There was no question about it. I noticed that as I evolved and came into being, that I made certain choices in my life that I was going to live my life different than that, and I would like to say that I evolved, and I became, perhaps, I'm going to say a better father. I'm not sure that that's true, but certainly a different one. And I witness my son-in-law, my daughter, and my two beautiful little grandchildren now, and I see that there's a total difference between the way my son-in-law fathers, the way that I fathered, which is totally different than the way that my father fathered. Everything evolves, and it always evolves for the highest and the greatest good. That's the promise that we have in this teaching, is, is that evolution is going to take place, that what we're going to do is we're going to step into a new idea, and we're going to grow, and we're going to expand. And it's not just evolution in the form of physical evolution, it's evolution in the form of our conscious evolution. And it's possible, and what we teach in this center and centers like it, what we teach in Centers for Spiritual Living, is that evolution can be uh, sped up through awareness and through connection. That it's possible for us to actually make choices that are different than the ones that were made before. And that when we make that, what happens is we bring together the promise of that perfect life that each of us is aware of. Not heaven outside of ourselves, but actually heaven on this plane and in this planet right here and right now. It's the vision of Centers for Spiritual Living to awaken humanity to its spiritual magnificence and through doing create a world that works for everyone. And all that it'll take for us to get there is that evolution. That's the only thing that is, that, that is required for us to be able to move from where we are to that world that works for everyone is to evolve our consciousness. There's nothing missing in the world around us when we look at it. There, there's no shortages that we couldn't supply and we couldn't support and we couldn't put into place that we couldn't utilize. There's nothing that prevents us from doing it except the willingness and the evolution of our consciousness and our ability as a society, as a community, and as individuals to be able to see it in action around us. And so we see that evolution in our own upbringing, I'm certain. Um, I certainly do. Um, my, my father was, uh, like I said, quite traditional in the way that he raised us children. There, there was a mother in our house, there was a father in our house, and my mother's job was to love and nurture, and my father's job was to make sure that we did the right thing, that we grew up to be responsible people. And the only way that he knew how to do it was through the way that he learned from his father through force. And he learned how to do it through uh, some form of uh, discipline which would set it into motion and set it into action. 
So my experience from him was one that uh, when I moved away from my home, I felt uh, for a long time like I'd come from an abusive relationship. And I know, and I know only too well, when we do Father's Day talks or Mother's Day talks, that not everybody shares the same experience or has shared the same parents. So, boy, I'm not giving anybody my consciousness, and I'm not asking anybody to take it. I'm just letting you know right up front, though, that there are people probably here who have had worse experiences with parents and people who have had better ones. But in reality, I think that what really came into our being and came into our experience was past right now from looks of the age here and that what we move forward to is a different idea and it's up to us to choose whether we're going to do it or not. They say that your parents are the most dominant relationship you can have in your life. The most dominant relationship. And for a long time I would hold on and I would believe that and I would embrace that concept and that thought and I thought that uh, coming from that relationship that probably I was going to end up in that kind of relationship for the rest of my life. And the truth is, is that that belief did not need to be fulfilled. But what it required was for me to recognize that there was a greater idea and a bigger idea that I needed to move to within my own consciousness and within my own mind in order to be able to create a different experience than the one that I had. When I was in psychology in the university, one of the things that I heard was that somebody who'd come from a family that used corporal punishment or, or physical force was 80-some-odd percent more likely to use it on their own children. And I can remember when I read that and having the experience and still holding the experience in my past, I, I absolutely made the promise to myself that never in my life would I strike one of my children. I would never do that. I would not use that physical force to do it. And, and it was that decision and that choice which helped me evolve past where I was before, to evolve into a new form. You know, it's only natural for us to recognize and know that if consciousness evolves, that the consciousness of our children has got to be greater than the consciousness of ourselves. That's just the way it is. If you just look at nature and look at the environment around you, you discover and you recognize that that's got to be true. In order for it to grow, that means that your children have to be of greater consciousness than you were. And that's the tra same truth for you with regard to your parents. And isn't that what your parents wanted for you, was to have a better life? They wanted you to have a greater life. They wanted to have, have you have more in life than that. At least mine did. And that experience comes from that ability to be able to make that adjustment and make that change. The unfortunate truth, though, is, is that for a lot of us, what we've done is we hold on to the old ideas. Not just in parental relationships, but we hold on to the old ideas in all kinds of relationships. I, I know that this is a wonderful spiritual community. I participated in the strategic plan and the leadership retreat yesterday. Both Dr. Deborah and I were there, and it was marvelous. You have a great group of people here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of you for coming together and working together as smoothly and effectively and as efficiently as you do. And, and you, know, you know that your center is changing. You must know it. It's got to change. In order to become greater, in order to become bigger, in order to more suit its purpose, it must grow, it must expand. 
And I'm not talking necessarily about size. I'm talking about the consciousness and the foundation that's developed and built so that what it can do is it can expand into a greater idea to awaken humanity to its spiritual magnificence. And, and that's why we're teaching healing ministry is because healing, we bring people to wholeness, and the teaching is we teach them how to get whole. And how that works, quite simply, is the understanding and the knowing that when you are whole, when you do come from that place of being in that flow, that divine flow of the expression of spirit itself in your life, that the outcome must be that you attract other people to you that you get to awaken. Sometimes we're under a misnomer that the only people who awaken people are the ministers or the practitioners. But the truth is, is the core of our teaching exists in the seats out there in the congregants. It's got nothing to do with the ministers and the practitioners. We're merely like parents doing the very best that we can, behaving in the only way that we know how in order to be able to bring forward the awakening and operating from that sense and that knowledge and that knowing of love. That's it. And occasionally we run across one who's maybe not so loving. But that's not your case here, so don't worry about it. But, 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 I will, but, I, but, but I do share with you that that evolution is natural in everything we do. Um, Dr. Patrick uh, came out of the same teaching that I came out of about the same time. He graduated, as we said, on Friday night in 1996, and I graduated in 1993. I'm far more mature than he is. You've noticed that. That's good. And, and, and having graduated and come out of that and moving forward, we, we came out of an organizational structure, a parental structure, that was so different than the one that exists right now. And it probably would be the same way as when we came out of it, except that we consciously chose to change it. I, I want you to hear those words. We consciously chose to change it. When I entered into ministry in religious science, it was so dysfunctional that it made my home life look like it was idyllic. Absolutely. I always remember my sister had this drawing on her fridge where it said, let's see what it said, um, children of totally functional families. And it shows an auditorium, and there's one little girl sitting in the very middle of it, like a thousand seats. And written on it, it says... Caitlin Knox, which is my niece's name. And, and, and I remember looking at it, I remember thinking about it, how, how uh, true that is. Because it's all how we interpret it. But we came out of this uh, ministerial parental uh, thing with some really, really different archaic thoughts. And, and that's just simply because it hadn't evolved yet. And what we knew we, did, we needed to do is we needed to stay within it. I, I'll speak for myself that when, when I graduated in 1993 and went to the first ever minister's meeting that I went to, I stood at the back of this room in this minister's meeting, and there was uh, maybe 400 people there. And one whole side of the group was standing and yelling and pointing fingers at the other side of the group who was all sheepishly sitting there. And I remember standing at the back of the room, I remember, I won't give her name, but I, but, I, but I remember one of the most delightful, peaceful, pacifist women, somebody who is absolutely the sweetest human being you ever saw. And she was standing on a chair at the back, waving her fingers and pointing at people. And I remember standing at the back of this meeting and looking at this organization that I had just been brought into and installed as a minister and standing there going, uh-oh, 
And facing the realization that I had two options. I could quit and walk out, or I could stay and I could change. All change comes from within. The minute I saw that, the minute I I, I recognized it, I knew that I had to stay if I was going to have anything to say about it. You got it? There was no excuse and no reason. I couldn't leave and walk out and then say, oh, those guys, they're so bad, they're so horrible, they should, whatever. That would be so out of principle. So out of principle. No different than someone leaving this congregation and walking out there and bad-mouthing the congregation. You want to badmouth the congregation? Stay inside. Then you have a right to do it. You walk out there, no right, because you're outside doing inside. And the relationship that Patrick and I had when we went into that, that, that organization was one of this incredible dysfunction. It was run in an autocratic fashion where any one person at any given time, namely the president, of which I was for five years, they, they, they could say, this is the way it is and that's the way it was. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't like the smile on your face. You can't be a practitioner. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't like the clothes you wear. You can't be a minister. I'm sorry, you don't appear like what I think you should be. You don't know enough about this. You don't know enough about that. You're different than I am. So, And, and it was rife throughout it. And, and I don't think it was only our organization. And I think even today that there are organizations like that. Organizations that didn't choose to evolve, that didn't choose to grow, that didn't choose to set a new vision that didn't move past that archaic way of looking into a newer way of looking and move with the times and flow upwards, growing, expanding, and furthermore, and here's the one, never stopping. Never stopping. There's never a time when you're complete. There's never a time when you're done. My father did everything he could. He wasn't a bad person. He loved me. He took action. He guided and directed me from the consciousness of his time. I, in turn, please forgive me, my children, did the same thing. It was more enlightened, possibly, or different than the way my father did it, but I was a different type of father. And my son and son-in-law, in turn, will be different fathers again. Consciously aware that there's supposed to be a change. There's supposed to be a difference. You're supposed to do things differently. So we walk into this organization where it's going, and we realize that the option of withdrawal isn't that way that we can do it. And neither is the option of condemnation. Any more than condemning my father for his behavior makes my life better. Or trying to restrain and control my children so that what they can do is live according to my ideas makes their life better. It's not the way life works. Life works because it evolves. And consciousness evolves before form. You know, we're different than the Darwinian theory of of evolution and survival of the species. Darwinian evolution believes that when human beings evolved to have a thumb, that therefore they grew the consciousness to be able to use a tool. We believe that when human beings evolved their consciousness, they grew a thumb to be able to use the tool. There's a difference. And the the difference is, is that it begins within each of us to make that transformation and that change. 
Now, now I'm dealing with a quarter million people as part of Centers for Spiritual Living in the organization. And, and what I know is that we need to evolve. Now, we've evolved a lot from the old days. We are now, I would say, a loving, compassionate, understanding, open, receptive, transparent organization. But unlike the old days. But the point is, is that that doesn't mean that we get to stop and rest and relax where we are any more than you get to stop from your evolution all the way through of what you've done as a community to come to this particular place. We always needed fresh idea, a new idea. We always need a bigger idea about what we're doing and the life that we have. So going to a retreat, which basically turned out to be a strategic planning meeting, was perfect for it because what it did was it laid out the possibilities and the potential of a future. And that's what we do at CSL. That's what we do at the head office in Golden. Is My job is just to make sure that we nurture and bring along the people. But we don't bring along the people in the old way of doing life. We cannot live in that old way anymore. For one thing, if I told you what to do, you wouldn't do it. Am I right? So how dumb would it be to hang on to where my dad was who said, why should I do that, Dad? Because I told you to. Oh, okay, that's a good reason. It doesn't work. Instead, what I have to do is I have to find a way to be able to create and open a communication with you. And not just with your head. What we need to do is we need to get into your heart and we need to connect on a heart-to-heart basis. And it's not manipulation on my behalf. What it is is it's a skill that allows us to be able to resonate with each other so that when we resonate, we can come to some form of consensus with a direction and an intention for what we want to have in life. How many people here want to live in a joyous spiritual community? Yes. So we want the same thing. It's, that's, it's that simple. I've got the same thing in CSL. How many people want to live within an organization that actually is effective and relevant in awakening humanity to create a world that works for everyone? Everybody's hand goes up. How do we do that? And the new way of living, the new way of leading, the new way of being is to stop telling and start becoming. We start becoming the world that we want to be. We start becoming and living from that faction because what we know is, is that as we do that, we create, as Dr. Patrick said, the energy that opens the space that invites in everything necessary to create the form. Roger Teal told us um, on a teleconference I was on not too long ago, he, he said, you know, that uh, the bee does not create the flower. The flower blossoms and attracts the bee. And that's what we're about. That's this new way of leadership. It's to understand that my job or your job or our job isn't to do all those little pieces necessarily to make the form the way we think it should be. But instead what it is, is to awaken within ourselves the blossom of who we are so that we blossom. And when we blossom, we attract what it is we want into our life. My father wasn't a very attractive blossom. I mean, he was. I love him dearly. And buy the tape for the first service and you'll learn way more about him. But, but my, he didn't know that. 
It wasn't his fault he didn't know that. Society didn't know that. Culture didn't know that. He had no way. He just knew that his job was to protect me as a child, and he forgot at some point when I grew up that I wasn't a child anymore, so he tried to protect me for that time too. It happens all the time. My, my, my daughter, as a matter of fact, I remember the time that she, uh, she phoned, she was 16, and she phones our house, and her curfew was 12 o'clock, and so she phones at 12 o'clock, and I answer the phone, and she says, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm at this party, and uh, I can't get a ride, so I won't be home for a while. <clears throat> I said, no problem, give me the address, I'll come pick you up. She said, no, no, you won't. I said, uh, give me the address, I'll come pick you up. I'll bring you home. No, I'm not going to do that. And she hung up on me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I went immediately to my upbringing. Like, what would my dad have done? Aside from phone the police and beat the crap out of anybody who came near him, yeah, that would probably be it. But crap's in the Bible, I can use that word. Um, <laughs> But, 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 but it sets that up, you know. So she says that to me. And so, you know, it's, it's midnight. And so I hang up the phone and say to Deb, she, she hung up on me. And Deb says, okay, I'm going to bed. So Deb goes to bed. So I, I go stand at the bedroom doorway and I go to bed and I look at the roof and I roll over. And sure enough, three o'clock in the morning, I hear the sliding glass door open and she's coming in. I'd evolved. Or Deborah had evolved. She got out of bed faster than I did. And she went out and she met our daughter at the stoop and she said, uh, you know, Kelsey, and she obviously wasn't of her correct state of mind at that particular point. And so I stood way off in the shadows and watched and suppressed that urge within me to repress or regress my evolution. And Deb took her and put her in bed, and everything was quiet. There was no problem. So a couple of days go by, and it's eating at me. It's edging at me. And, I, and I, so I did my spiritual work. I did my spiritual uh, practices. And, and I thought through the circumstance and the situation. I thought through the part that I played in it. And I took some responsibility, and I took away the blame and I removed the shadows that I had out there, and I saw her for who she really was. And on the Tuesday, um, I picked her up at school to bring her home. And when I picked her up, she got in the car, and like a 16-year-old who's anticipating a storm, she was well covered with her own protective means, whatever. And so I'm sitting there... <laughs> I don't do that quite right. I haven't evolved to that point. Um, so, so I'm sitting there in the seat, and we're driving home. And I say, Kelsey, we, we, we have to talk. And she says, whatever. And I say, no, no, I, we, I really need to talk to you. I said, what I want you to know is I know who you are. And I raised you that I could trust you in life. I raised you to be a good citizen and a good person. I said, and you are. 
I said, I love you and I adore you and I respect you and honor you, but I need to ask you to do me a favor. And she said, what's that? And I said, I need you to have patience with your mom and I. I said, because here's the truth. I still remember when you were just a baby and a little girl and when you needed me so much. I remember when I was the idol of your eye and I forget that you've grown up and become a young woman. And I said, so what I do is I put rules on you and you think the rules are about me controlling you, but that's not so. What I do is I give you rules so that I can protect my own self. And I said, I want you to have the patience and the understanding that that's why we do it and that I know that and I know what a good person you are and that we do it because we love you. And I want you to have some patience with it and we'll do our best to let you go. We never had another problem in her entire life. She phoned when she was gonna be late. We removed the restrictions in her life and she lived responsibly. And she's a responsible young woman as she always has been. That's conscious evolution. You see that? What that is, is that's dancing away from the issue. What it is, understanding the clarity of what's going on. And when you understand that clarity and appreciate it, and you take the ownership yourself for what the fear is, then what you do is you loosen up and you create an opportunity to be able to be truly loving. And it works in everything. It works in your spiritual community. It works in your family. It works within your own self and your own being, within your own higher power. And it works within our organization, Centers for Spiritual Living. To be able to understand and know that we have a mighty vision and a mighty direction and we need everyone to participate. And to know that out of that quarter million people that we play with, that there are going to be people who perhaps are frightened. Or there are going to be people who perhaps haven't quite moved to a place where they can understand things. Or maybe perhaps they'll be insulted because they're not asked to do something. Or maybe they'll get their nose out of joint because somebody they talk to isn't nice to them. Have you ever had somebody come to the center and they stop coming and you find out it's because somebody you didn't even know who went to the center said the wrong thing to them at a time? Me too. What's that about? What it is, is it's an inability to be able to grow past your buttons and past who you think you are into who you really are. It's an inability to be able to step through the veil into a new understanding and a new appreciation. My job's filled with discomfort. There's lots of conflict in it that shows up if I let it be that way. But instead, what I do is I choose to look at it for what it is. I choose to look at it as my fear of control or losing control over another individual, which gives me the freedom to be able to surrender them and let them go. And if I hold them in respect and know who they are, they become respectful and honorable. I don't need to pick up the phone and say, you son of a gun, that never happens. Instead, what I get to do is I get to say, uh-huh, there's another one of God's children finding their own level and their own place. Today's Father's Day. 
And if we choose, we can hold on to who our parents were, who our father was. And if your father was a great person, then I strongly recommend you do. But if there were areas in your life that feel you feel somehow or other weren't working quite effectively in that circumstance or that relationship, I would suggest that you let that go. I would suggest that you understand and instead move your consciousness and your understanding to an appreciation of who you are and recognize and know that you are here because of that. And know that the father that we talk about that really is the truth of who we are is the father that resides within us, not the father that was biological who brought us into being. We are our father's children, but not our biological father. We are the children of a consciousness that is infinite in its capacity to love. We are the children of a consciousness of abundance. We are the children of a consciousness of joy and happiness and peace. And as long as we hold on to the earthly form of our lives and think that somehow or other it's going to change, as long as we grasp it and grip it and refuse to let go of it, we will never be capable of moving to a new place. As I hold on to this table, what do I need to do to walk to the podium? I need to let go of the table in order to have the freedom to move forward. And so, I bless my parents, knowing that they helped support me to come to where I am today. And I bless the organization that I came out of, knowing that it must evolve into a greater organization. I bless the parent within me, the father within me, that gives me the wisdom and reminds me through the activities of life around me that I must ever be open and receptive to evolve and to change. And that is who I would choose you to be as members of Centers for Spiritual Living. I would choose that our quarter million be a group of people that are so on fire and so filled with love and so filled with truth that they will not let the commonplace obstruct them from arriving at the destination of becoming the fully authentic and actualized individual they were born to be. That is your job. My job is simply to love you and to recognize you and to keep my fear away from you. I would suggest that that's your job as well. So maybe together we can accomplish it. I thank you and I'm honored to be here Please know that you're loved and honored. Bless you.